work smarter and harder. Mm. Like the, the idea of bypassing hard work to build right. your company is yeah. ridiculous. Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. I'm excited to have you here today. At our show, we're all about helping you in the pursuit of your best body, mind, spirit, and life. Thanks for being here. Hey, before we get started on today's show, I want to share with you something that you may not be familiar with, and that's the Mindset Mastery Movement. Not that long ago, I started the Mindset Mastery Movement. And what it is, is it's a group coaching program that brings like-minded individuals, primarily entrepreneurs, professionals, executives together to really go into a deeper dive on the concepts that help you create your ideal life. And for many of you listening, you might be working on your business. How do I grow that? How do I grow my income to new levels, my financial life, my wealth? It could be working on your body and your health as I am right now too. It could be relationships. Ultimately, what I learned a long time ago was that anything and everything you've ever wanted is available to you and it comes to you and through you by understanding some natural laws and universal laws and how to work with your mind and the universe around you. So we do a deep dive on that. We do Q&A once a month, group coaching. We do a live training for 90 minutes. And right now the doors are closed for it, but I want to give you an opportunity to get on the wait list to be the very first to know when we open the doors for new members. So if you like the sounds of that, go to www.benspangle.com forward slash MMM and get yourself on the wait list, or you can click the link below in the show notes. Hey, everybody. I hope you're ready for a really fun time today. I've got John Sarasani with me. And uh, as I've got to learn a little bit about John, you're going to love the conversation today. To give you a little bit of background, he's a serial entrepreneur, a business expert. He's an author. He's got his own podcast, which we'll talk a little bit about later, too, and a venture capitalist. And John, I'm so excited for our chat today. Thanks for being here, man. Happy to be here, man. Pumped up. Yeah, I was, uh, as I followed you on Instagram recently and started watching your stuff, I mean, you're always dropping business bombs, which I love in life, life advice. And I think, I think you might win the award for more F-bombs than anybody on Instagram. I don't know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, man, it, it's, I, I get a lot of pushback from that brother. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it's sometimes I keep the beeps in there and it goes beep, yeah. beep, beep. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And so, so I go and edit the beats out because what will yeah. happen is Instagram will like if, if you use captions, they will yeah. identify yeah. The, the swear word. So you literally have to go into the captions, I change saw, yeah. the swear word to yeah. something different, and then it won't. So you got the it. two thousand, yeah, yeah, exactly, two thousand <laughs> for two thousand percent raise, exactly. That's, That's awesome, man. It's awesome. Well, they might they might give you a new handle as Swearasani. Who knows? We'll see. But, uh... <laughs> there you go, John Swearasani. See, no one's used that one yet. That's that's pretty good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna I almost just dropped it up. I'm gonna trademark that. There you go. Hey, listen, I want to give people a bit of your backstory. Uh, I know from what I at least saw when you were 27, you left corporate America, started your own company. But maybe maybe walk us through a bit of that. What prompted you to make the decision, and then what that led to after that. You got it, man. So I was fortunate enough to work in an industry 
that did not require a lot of capital to go out on your own. And I was also fortunate enough to work at one of the biggest players in that industry, Arthur J. Gallagher. They're an insurance giant. Anyone that's in the insurance space will know who they are. The general public might not, but they're a very large publicly traded company. Okay. Is, and is this all like were, general insurance is what it is? Yeah. Or? Well, it's really everything. I'm, okay. The area I was in was employee benefits. So, okay. so yeah. setting corporations up on their health insurance programs, their life insurance, their disability, anything yeah. you would get that's insurance related from an employee benefit standpoint yeah. um that's what i was doing at, at gallagher okay. and what was interesting is that you have the wholesalers who are the actual insurance companies themselves like blue cross or cigna mm -hmm. or united healthcare and then mm -hmm. you got the clients the corporations over here they're actually utilizing the product the product mm -hmm. we're just the mid little middleman in between we're, we're called brokers but when you get to the level that i was at they're not really the client isn't really expecting you to broker their account. Yeah, that's one function of what you do, but it's more than just, oh, get us the lowest cost. It's actually consulting on them, being strategic on, you know, how do we fund this program? What's something that we could do to enhance employee engagement and education on their programs, th things of that nature. And it's like high level shit. Now, once you get to like smaller clients, like maybe a nail salon or something like yeah. that, yeah, maybe it's just all about the rates and just give us the best thing on the spreadsheet. But once you get a little bit bigger, yeah. um, you know the bigger corporations are, are, are looking for a very very different value proposition from from the, from their broker right um so i realized that and i was so i was not only good at providing that strategy and and consultation i was also good at bringing the clients in in the first place and mm. if you're able to do both of those what the hell do i need to be working for someone else for mm -hmm. <laughs> i i could mm -hmm. offer everything myself you mm -hmm. know so um, I, I realized that at a relatively young age that doing this under the Gallagher umbrella, yeah, they're giving me a nice salary. Yeah, I got their business card. Yeah, I got, you know, their office and all that crap. But mm -hmm. proportionately from a dollars and cents standpoint, this is going to be much, much, much more profitable for me personally if I go and mm -hmm. do it on my own. So I had that epiphany, to, made the pivot. Quit my mm -hmm. job in corporate America as a, as a rising star at a very reputable organization. Yeah. People told me I'm freaking nuts and right. uh, went and worked for my kitchen table, buddy. And it worked out for me. I love it, man. And then yeah. it's about a decade later, you got bought out, if I remember the story correctly. Is that right? Correct. I sold the company into private equity for, for a large multiple, um, became a multimillionaire and you know, I, I was only 37, never had to work again in my life. And and what's interesting, though, Ben, that you'll you'll find fascinated about this, and people leave this out, I was already rich before that. Like, I didn't need, mm -hmm. like, I was making enough money along the way. <laughs> it's not like I needed this company to sell yeah. To, yeah. to become rich. And, yeah. and you know, you know, I, the reason I even talk specifics about numbers like this yeah. is because I'm trying to resonate with my audience. I want, I want things to resonate to my audience. Okay. Listen, guys, I, I was you in corporate America. I was right. making 140 grand, you know, whatever that yeah. is in 2005 now call it like 200 grand. I was one of the stars in sales, yeah. man. It took yeah. a lot to take that, make that pivot and quit that yeah. job when you had the big title and everything else. Um, yeah. Luckily for me, I was able to see through that, through, see through what I call the bribe in the form of a salary and a job title. Yeah. What do you think as you started on that journey going from, by the way, you wouldn't have known this, but uh, I'm up in Canada, but I've spent the last 15 years in the life insurance business. Oh, wow. Uh, more I didn't on know like, that. Okay. Like, yeah, per personal life and that awesome. kind of stuff. So, okay. Um, so I, I, I know the industry. What do you think the biggest lessons switching from corporate America to now here you're beginning to run your own company? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were some of those? 
Well, I, I, I always still always go back. People ask me this all the time, and I, and I always go back to <laughs> the hardest part is the ability to bring in the client. Everything mm-hmm. else you could learn. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there are some challenges on the way. You get a lawyer. You waste some money on an accountant. Yeah, it'd be nice if I was a little well better versed on this. The Internet back then wasn't as what it wasn't as what it is now. And mm-hmm. you didn't really need to go, you know, where to go for everything. Um, but but just organizing yourself and, and getting things up to par and being an actual company. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there is some legwork there, but it's all fi- I call it figure outable. <laughs> it's figure outable. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Um, um, and then I was very smart in how I positioned the company. My biggest thing was that I would, I had the mantra of, I'm going to inflate my company. I'm not going to inflate my head. And, and what, what do, do I mean by that? People don't need to know I'm a CEO. People don't need mm-hmm. to, like, it doesn't need to be called John Sarasani insurance. I'm going to mm-hmm. structure everything in a way that pumps mm-hmm. up the company. And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, I'd, I'd call on these prospective clients and especially starting out. They thought I was just some polished sales rep working for this organization. They're shit. That Northwest yeah. Comprehensive Company must be pretty damn good. They got a sales rep like John working there. You know, yeah, that's awesome. You know, yeah. v- v- well, versus, I... versus me coming in and say, hey, "This is my company. I'm the president. Look at me." You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's yeah. putting attention on myself instead of the company. Well, I can only imagine how much in the long term uh, when that private equity came along, what a difference that makes too, right? If it's Sarasani insurance, now Sarasani's gone. I mean, that makes <laughs> that that is that yeah. is true. The, the the fact of the matter is, I would sell to a lot of organizations that would have what I call decision by committee, and okay. they, they they would there would be multiple decision makers. So even if I have a okay. relationship with one person in the in the um in the sales process, there's yeah. eight other people that need to give their you know thumbs up thumbs up sign to. And um, if that CFO is going to present to the CEO and the president, hey, we're going to go work with John Sarasani of Sarasani Insurance. Yeah. What's the first question going to be? Uh, who, wait a minute. Uh, how many employees do they have? How, how many years have they been in business? Is it his dad's company or oh, he owns it himself? Wait, how new are they? I don't know, Chuck. Yeah. We might want to yeah. shop this around to, to someone we've actually heard of. Yeah. Versus, yeah. Hey, we're going with Northwest Comprehensive. Our rep is John Sarasani. Yeah. Night, yeah. night and day difference in that conversation. No kidding. So did you begin then like building a sales force after this? You started by yourself and then, or was it a, a book that you sold later? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I never built a sales force. And the reason behind that is because I was so profitable and found a better way to skin a cat than, than most. And I focused yeah. on a niche in okay. higher education, colleges and universities. Okay. okay. No one else was really doing it to the extent that I was. Yeah. And what it enabled me to do was not need salespeople. Instead, I just needed to market properly, showing right. up at trade shows, showing up okay. at industry events, showing up at getting speaking engagements at their association meetings. Yeah. These college and university business officers look at the world a lot differently than maybe the CFO of a factory or a manufacturing plant or, or a car dealership. It's, it's, it's night and day on how they approach the world. Um, colleges and universities in the United States are, are nonprofits. So there's just different ways they go about things, um, um, in, in that process. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I looked at invading other industries. People might tell me I'm nuts for not invading different industries, but Mm -hmm. I tried to go down that path then a couple of times and I'd, I'd hire somebody say, okay, you're going to focus on the private sector. You're going to go after all Chicago based you know, employers with at least 200 employees and, and blah, 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 blah. And you do it. And it's like, 
oh my god all the time i'm focusing with that person it's taking away my time that could be spent on my bread and butter so i just decided totally. to keep focusing on that bread and butter got over 100 clients uh, ultimately colleges across the united states and uh yeah you know, i think i i think pretty proud of it no kidding man that's awesome yeah, yeah it's really cool yeah i um uh, so we've done where it's kind of like a, uh, recruiting model and life insurance. So we have a, we have a sales force is what we've done with it. Yep. And, um, and it's been really good. Uh, anyways, I've branched into a totally different space, but more in like what we're doing today. So I do more seminars and coaching and stuff like that outside awesome. of that business. Awesome. And as, as I've learned more about marketing though, uh, and getting more and more into it and, and that aspect, they talk a lot about niching down and how much really to, to your point is for whatever business somebody's in and most of the people listening are entrepreneurs by the way whatever mm -hmm. business somebody's in is that there's a market that you can become very wealthy serving and helping right and and i think like what you did in a lot of ways where it's you've got a specific one that you know you're great at boom blows yeah up. yeah and, and to give a perspective too right it's like so life insurance especially individual life insurance sales i think it makes all the time like that model that you just explained makes a lot of sense because yeah you know, not everybody's buying 20 million, I don't know what kind of you sold, but not everyone's buying $20 million universal life policies no. that, that you're going to get these huge commission checks on. A lot of times people are buying quarter million dollar, you know, term life policy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that you're yeah. making, you know, hundred bucks a month if you're lucky or, or whatever on it. And, sure. and, and you need to scale that with volume in order to make it lucrative for you. Um, yeah. When you get an employee benefit account, say of a midsize or smaller college or university, yeah. You know, that might be $90,000 to your organization. You know, some of them are oh, a couple hundred yeah. grand to your organization. So it's like, dude, yeah, I'm mess with huge. this. And next thing I know, dude, and after I sold my company, I had to work with the company that bought mine. And it's like, oh my God, dude, I had to like work with other offices that they bought here and there. <laughs> and I'm yeah. going out on like sales calls with these people. And it's like, why are we talking to this 34 employee consulting accounting firm about their right. employee benefits? And there's three of us at this meeting. Ugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 and, but unfortunately that's the way the industry is though. They, they were the ones, right. they were the one, they were the norm. I, I was the anomaly. That's why freaking company bought yeah. me for so much money. You know, totally it is. Totally it is. So you, you wrote the book. Uh, yep. I know you got the podcast and I, and I think I might be wrong, but you got the, uh, the membership to a 2000% raise. Thank you. Yep. That's the one. And, um, as you do that, as you're working with people and you know, you're uh, one of your sayings I saw, is I, I put myself at the top of the org chart, right? yeah. yeah, which I love. Um, why, why are you so passionate about helping people leave their job? Now I'm an entrepreneur too, so I love it, but I want to hear your perspective. Yeah, you got it, man. What, what I'm trying to communicate to people, and this is why my social media has really become a lot more popular I, I think over really the last six or seven months is that i st started talking more about that man i it, anybody that actually knows me personally mm -hmm. would would tell you i'm not like a flamboyant or like a non like humble person i'm I mean, in fact the way i grew my company was by being what i just told you earlier and <laughs> not talking about i'm not driving a lamborghini to my client meetings when i'm making a few totally. million dollars a year and my clients making you know the human resources directors making 60 grand and i show up in a lamborghini i'm not i'm dying yeah. dumbass that's something in the past <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> but 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 unfortunately you know people in social media land um I guess it kind of gravitate toward, towards being an asshole a little, a little bit right. more. So, yeah. so I'll say some things, 100% of them I mean, but 
my delivery will be a little bit maybe different than whatever. And, and, yeah. you know, in, in, in real life, I wouldn't say, open your eyes. Hello. What are you yeah. doing? But yeah. I mean it. I just wouldn't say it to your face because I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't want to put someone down. So I yeah, could yeah. say it generically to the world. Yeah. And what's funny about it is people will freaking take it personally. Like I'm talking to them specifically. Like, oh, motherfucker, how do you know I'm talking yeah. about you? Yeah. So I'll be like, okay, so listen. You spent 20 years in, in corporate America and you got yourself up to assistant vice president. Do you know that you could still get fired tomorrow because you're an employed, you're, you're employed at will and these, this yeah. is how it works? You don't have an employment contract. You made the president's club the last 10 years. They could still pull the plug at you. Now you're out of a freaking job. If you were an yeah. entrepreneur, guess what? You wouldn't know there's nobody to fire you. Yeah. I got to tell you, Ben. Yeah. People still have a problem with it when I put it that way. So totally. it's like, dude, you guys are watching the wrong effing page. Go go yeah. put your head in the sand, yeah. cross your fingers that the shit I'm talking about doesn't happen to you. And yeah. us entrepreneurs are going to keep winning over here. So I get yeah. a lot of W-2 employees that, that are looking to make that transition. I mean, gosh, I, I'm not making this shit up. I know influencers will say this shit, but I literally get, I would say on average, five to 10 direct messages weekly. Sometimes nice. more, sometimes more if I put a reel out that really, um, that really resonates with people. Hey yeah. dude, I'm, I'm, I never thought about being an entrepreneur until I saw your stuff or, or better. Hey, I quit my job six months ago because of you didn't want to tell you because I was a little mm -hmm. worried, but mm -hmm. dude, I'm making 400 grand now. And I was the same, same exact job I was doing five months ago, making $80,000, making somebody else rich. Thank you for opening my eyes to this. I love that, man. Yeah. I love it. Hey everybody, Ben here. I just wanted to come on really quickly and share with you something I created for you that I'm very excited about. You know, I'm a, a big fan of using our mind and the tools that we can use within it to begin to create our life, our ideal life, the way that we want to. There's many different things that we can do this. And I know that if you're listening to this, you're intuitively, you already believe that you have the power to be, do, and have whatever you want. You already believe intuitively that you can create your life by design. But often I find people, as much as they believe it, they keep kind of repeating programs of the past. They keep, you know, self-sabotaging at times, running into the same issues or, or even having struggles of the same. So maybe, you know, continuing to struggle with money, uh, maybe continuing to struggle in relationships, continuing to struggle in creating the, the body and the health and fitness that we want, or whatever it might be, maybe your own personal happiness. So what I've done for you is I've created a, I think it's about five or six minutes, but a visualization that you can use a guided visualization to help you achieve your goals. I know there's things that you want. I know there's things that you can have and you can be and you can do. And so I wanted to give you a tool that you can apply in your life to begin to create that in your life and create it in your mind so it begins to show in your outer reality. So if you go to benspangle.com forward slash gift and you can download that visualization for free, the guided visualization on achieving your goals. All right, let's get you back to the show. I think what you're doing a great job on your social too, is that, uh, you know, it's, it's now that I'm getting to meet you too. It's funny that you're, you're not like that, right? It's more kind of mm -hmm. in your face on social, Yeah. but what's awesome about it is that it's so polarizing in a way, right? It's either you're going to love it, right? right? Cause you, you can resonate with it and think, all right, it is time I make a change. Yeah. And then, but then you're going to have all the haters that think, man, this guy's crazy yep. and it's almost like offensive. But what ends up, I've watched all the comments on a lot of your posts, bro. And it's amazing to see right. all the stuff in there. So you've got this great polarization that all these guys that 
that don't like what you're saying, they can't stop watching anyway. So you know, <laughs> exactly. And they're commenting. They don't even follow me because they like don't want to have. They don't want their boss to see them following me. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah it is. So yeah. it's uh, it's awesome to see. Question for you: uh, yeah. Best business advice you ever received? Best business advice I ever received would have to be. If you get a client on price, you're going to lose the client on price. You need to come up with a value proposition other than lower pricing. Mm. Hmm. I like it. And it's very hard to do in a commoditized um, product. And when I say commoditized product, I mean meaning something that people are treating like a commodity. Your, your, job, your job is to make them not see it as a commodity. So in the health insurance game, we would see that all the time. We're selling group health insurance, and this guy has a spreadsheet between Blue Cross, Cigna, and, and United Healthcare and Aetna. And, and um, you know, we have a spreadsheet with the same four things. And if their spreadsheet's a little bit lower than ours for some freaking reason, okay, but listen, we're bringing A, B, C, and D to the table. Here's why you should work with us. As soon as we keep making it about the rates and the spreadsheet comparisons, by the way, in that industry isn't even freaking your rates it's the rates you're mm -hmm. getting from the insurance company <laughs> so it's mm -hmm. like you know what i mean you can't even necessarily control it completely so i mm -hmm. want to make it known not about these rates on the spreadsheet that that broker is showing you versus me i want to make this about what it's going to be like working with us as your consultant and as your broker all right mm -hmm. part of the process is also going to be picking out which insurance company to go to and that's the blocking and tackling hey if we can't get you low rates with the insurance company and someone else could we shouldn't even be doing this that that that's the that's the basics of our job and when you yeah. put it when you put it that way to a client it changes the whole freaking conversation now some clients might be you know you, you could always tell by the way they run their organization all right mm. if they're if there's some kind of like wheeling and dealing kind of private sector company that like you know is always trying to save a buck and stuff that's fine. They're, they're not going to buy into this value proposition, but you know what? We don't want them as a client anyway, because mm -hmm. as soon as I undercut the freaking rates and, and, and get them as a client, psh, someone else does it to me a year from now. And I had them for one year, which does me no damn good. Totally. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I love that. You know, thinking about that, if uh, really what's the, the value prop that you're actually bringing to the table yeah. beyond <laughs> yeah. this price. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, flipping that question, the worst piece of advice you ever got. <laughs> the worst piece of advice that I ever got. Yeah, mm. yeah. Shit, let me think about that one. Let me think about that one. Um, um, I don't know if this is the worst, but I'll, but I'll throw this one up as an anomaly to to curveball you and your audience. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work smarter, not harder. Okay. And I would change that to work smarter and harder. Mm. Like the, the idea of bypassing hard work to build right. your company is yeah. ridiculous. These are two mutually exclusive deals. It's not one or the freaking other. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What do you see that you work with a lot of people that are entrepreneurs? You work with a lot of people that are, you know, leaving their job to become. And I'm curious your perspective. So let's speak to somebody maybe that's newer into their business. What are you seeing as some of the, perhaps the common mistakes that they might be making or, or you're hearing this more and more from people you're working with? Well, I think a lot of people worry about optics way too much, especially as first time founders. And when I'm talking about optics, I'm not saying, talking about optics from a client perspective. I'm talking about optics from, 
your next next door neighbor or your spouse's friends or the people of the country club's perspective. Okay. They, cause they're worried about, okay, how many employees do we have and how many offices do we have? Cause you, cause you want to flex. Now th these are questions the non entrepreneur asks the entrepreneur. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because they're putting value on shit that there really shouldn't be any value in. Okay. The mm -hmm. biggest one, how many employees do you have? Some, for some reason, people think that's like some kind of a metric. Well, guys, if you're going to sell your company for a multiple of your profit, every employee you have is an expense that brings your profit down. So what you should be really worrying about is how much money do you make or how much, what's your company's revenue? All right. Because if you have a $5 million company with 30 employees versus a $5 million company with two employees, uh, guess what? It's still a $5 million company and the $5 million company with two employees making a shitload more money than the, than the company with 30 employees. But For that sure. guy with 30 employees has the bigger freaking, you know what, at the country club, let him, yeah. let him, yeah. you, you go retire early, let, let, let him yeah. flex at the country club. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense for sure. Huh. Yeah. Um, By the way, I've never said that before in my life. That just came right, <laughs> that came right off the dome, buddy. I think that might be a social media clip right there, pal. There you go. 100% it is, for sure. 100% it is. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me a bit about uh, uh, your venture capitalist. So mm -hmm. what, are your, what are your favorite kinds of businesses you get involved with today? Um, what are you looking for in that stuff? You know, yeah. it's going to sound crazy, man. I, I, I am a venture capitalist. I do early stage VC stuff and, and some people may call it angel investing. And it's, uh, it's kind of freaking hilarious, man, because I, honestly, I, I don't need the money. So it has to like for an opportunity to come across my desk that I do. The first thing I look at is, okay, who's this from? And is it going to like expand my network anymore? Like I'm bigger and mm. I'm, I'm more concerned with building my network with the, with the right people, putting myself in the right rooms um, to rub elbows with, with the right people, people that could maybe, maybe help me grow from a personal standpoint. You know, mm. I got in a couple deals out in Los Angeles and, and, uh, and Orange County that put me in the room literally with billionaires that own freaking sports mm. teams. Okay. Mm. That, that, that to me, when I'm in that room, I'm the little guy. I'm the little guy. I, I'm used to being the big guy here in Chicago with everyone kind of looking up to me, looking to see what my move is. Well, now I get in those rooms and I'm, I'm in, that, in, the, in that lower tier. But you know what? I love it because now I could freaking grow. There's things that I could pick up now. Okay, well, shit, maybe this guy's family started freaking Kettle One Vodka and they have generational wealth. Well, maybe I'm not going to duplicate that. And, and maybe they were born into a family of generational wealth, but there's still going to be things that I could pick up in my dialogue and in my friendships with, with, with people like that. And it's mm -hmm. not, listen, bro, it's not like a quid pro quo where I'm going to be friends mm -hmm. with you. If I learn this from you and you give me this and I give you that, you got to mm -hmm. still be socially, you know, like the person and stuff. But, but for me, the way my mind works, it's like, okay, here's a blank or, or here, here's all the, here's all the marks I got, got on, on, on the whiteboard. Okay. Which ones are blank or which ones do I not even know exist right now? And I, mm -hmm. you come across somebody that could fill in these blanks and it's like, wow, okay. I, I want that person in my damn network. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, versus, you know, something that's been presented that is maybe some kind of technology or, or something that the person might have a good idea and it might have a chance of working. But it's mm -hmm. like, dude, a lot of these deals don't go anywhere. They usually go to zero. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if, 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 if this is an 80% chance of going to zero, at least with the ones I'm talking about, 
I've built a friendship or, or a valuable addition to my network from it versus somebody that's like just all about the investment and kind of a like not even someone I really care about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you've been wealthy for a while mm -hmm. and before you got there, I guess after I should say what, you know, I imagine almost everybody thinks how amazing it's going to be. Mm -hmm. What did you notice that surprised you about how much even better it was or how much more you enjoy, if that makes sense that I'm asking? Yeah. So I think there was two, um, really two points that I, I jumped for it and actually took us, took us, took, took a step back to kind of take the air. You know what I mean? So, so somewhere between year two and year three at my job, at, when I started my company, I, things started hitting for me and a lot of new clients came in and I went from making like 250 a year to like 800 a year, like literally in like a, probably a four month period. Mm -hmm. And that changed wow. everything for me for because, sure. Yeah. Cause my, my whole life was budgeted around that 250 grand, 250 grand number, not yeah. 800. Next thing I know now, it's like, what do I do with this extra 30 or 40 grand I'm bringing in each month? Yeah. Like literally yeah. it changed my whole perspective and like, Oh gosh, yeah. what do rich people do? Like I gotta get a wealth manager now and I gotta do this. Yeah. I never went and bought a Ferrari or any stupid shit like that. That's just not me. Yeah. Um, and I bought, bought nice cars, but, but that was what if I started going on the nicer vacation, a lot nicer vacations, yeah. but, but I, I don't really do anything stupid with, 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 the, with the money either. Um, maybe I started giving a little bit more to charities in the sense of like buying at buying a table and, and things like that, that I maybe wouldn't mm -hmm. have done before. Mm -hmm. But, but, but from there, Ben, it really went gradual, dude. So, so every, every year, like up a little, up a little, okay, here's mm -hmm. the jump. But, but once you start making, you know couple million and you jump 300 grand you're not feeling that difference anymore oh i went from right. 2 million to 2.3 million last year that nothing really feels feels any right. different it was that right. 300 grand to 800 grand point um right. the next the next time i i actually was able to take a step back and take it all in was at the point of when i sold my company and um actually got done with my employment contract and when that money was transferred into my bank account from the sale, it was like, holy shit, dude, I never, I never need to work again the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Um, so th those two points, I, I would say in the first one, um, something I didn't realize was that I wasn't necessarily like, I think that's when I kind of realized that if you focus just on the money, mm. um, you're never really going to be fulfilled because it just becomes like, it just becomes a little race. Like you're, mm -hmm. it's just a scorecard. There's nothing really happening. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and then once my, you know, so I, I just figured I, I need to be more fulfilled with some shit. And um, one of my big things was, okay, I got to get better traveled. I need to be well-traveled. I, I wasn't, I go to Vegas and freaking Miami for all my vacations <laughs> for, for all my twenties. Like, yeah. okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take my daughter to Kenya. We're going to do a safari. Cool. Um, me and a group of my friends were freaking in our thirties. The first time I went to damn Europe, we went to freaking okay. London and Paris and yeah. Amsterdam. We're in the Eiffel tower and like taking pictures. Guys that have been buddies since college are now in our thirties yeah. doing this together. We're like giddy little kids taking pictures in front of the Eiffel tower, you know, to be yeah. you know, so shit, shit like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, that, that happened. Um, and then this past one when i actually had the jump where where my net worth was what it was became what it was um i uh you know i um 
it's awesome, dude. It's awesome. I, I like just having the ability to just wake up and do whatever I want each day, bro. It's, you know, I'm going to start a podcast, you know, 50 yeah. episodes in now. That was fun. And just yeah. like, I'm going to the Bahamas Friday for, oh, what's the occasion? But there's not an occasion. I just go into the Bahamas. Go to the Bahamas. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You know how I determine if, if I'm going to go on a trip or not when somebody asks me last second, I, yeah. I go and look and see what, what what seats are available in first class. And if, if there's no seats in first class available, especially a place like the Bahamas, because there's not a lot of flights from Chicago there. Right. Ah, I can't go. Oh, what do you got? Yeah. Something? I go, no, there's no first class seats available. It's <laughs> so- <laughs> awesome, man. It's yeah. awesome. What uh, what fulfills you the most today? Raising my son is a big deal, man. He um he moved in with me in fourth grade. I was always part of his life, but he lived in a different a different state, yeah. and um, his circumstances changed a little bit with with his mom. So he uh, he yeah. moved in. He moved up to Chicago, and his mom's awesome too. So I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I mean by that. But yeah. but he he had uh, he moved up. He, there were circumstances that he needed to come move, live in Chicago with me, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, I was living at the Trump Tower, buddy, in, in downtown Chicago, and now yeah. I got a fourth grader living with me full time. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and uh, it, it was kind of funny. The doorman and all the people at the Trump like like loved him. They thought it was hilarious. But uh, after a few yeah. months, I looked around. I go, you know what? I need to get out to the suburbs. So I went and bought this uh, pretty decently sized house out in the suburbs. And it's uh, it's it's cool watching my son, man. He because he's his life kind of got turned upside down a little bit. He needed to come live with his dad, who previous to doing this was, uh, you know, I did. We'd just go do fun stuff. I'd go visit him in Dallas, and yeah. we go, hey, we're going to the Great Wolf Lodge for three days. You know, it's a big yeah. change to actually yeah. living with your dad and have your dad's rules and um, totally. Yeah, so it's it's been cool. He's fifteen now, and just watching him, you know, really really thrive with his with his friends and and everything else. He's adjusted so so well. It's almost like me and him laugh sometimes. Like, do you imagine yeah. if you didn't come live with that? Like like how different life would be. And and I don't mean just for him. I mean for me too. And it, it's all yeah. it's all positive. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. We got two kids, uh, two girls, okay. and uh, they're seven and five. Mm. And I, I've learned lots from them. Being a single dad yourself, what would you say? Uh, I know parenting as a whole, there's lots of great lessons, but what, what are some of the best things you've learned being a single dad? You know, <laughs> being a single dad, I would say <laughs> like seeing uh, traits of your kid's mom in, in uh, <laughs> like in the kid and, and w- w- whether, whether right or wrong, like how you yeah, feel yeah. about whatever that trait yeah. is, <laughs> yeah. you can't like. You, you, you got to remember, this is a different person than than the mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe sure. if you don't talk to the mom that much, but but like you'll see something. It's like you know that reminds me of something 16 years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you remember it's uh oh well, yeah it's a half half the the kids half somebody else. You got to you got to remember yeah. that. And yeah. um, I, I think that's you know I I say that justfully, but but as a single dad that's actually raising his kid, like you gotta. Mm-hmm. You gotta identify it. Like, hey, this this kid isn't a hundred percent you. He he's only right. half you. So right. he's not going to respond the way you want him to respond all the time. His interests are going to be freaking different than what your yeah. interests were when when you were his age. And sure. uh, you know, he's gonna have talents that you never had. He's not gonna be yeah. interested in maybe some of the things you were talented in. So I, I think remembering that and 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 embracing it in a way that's about the kid. And not about, you know, genetically where, where the hereditary came from. You know what I mean? It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's cool. Cause I, cause I freaking yeah. I, I learned a lot watching it happen too, you know? Yeah. I think that's great parenting advice, you know, single dad or not is yeah. just that idea of 
that uh, you're not trying to make him you. Right. That's a good right, point. You know, yeah. Allow, allowing him to figure out who, who he's going to be. Right. So I, I like it's that. awesome, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, for people to connect with you, you've got your own podcast, 2000% mm -hmm. race, correct? Yep. I sure do. That's okay. Awesome. Good. So then go check it out there. And then I know Instagram's your main platform. Can you give us the handle there as well? Yeah, it's just at John Sarasani, J-O-H-N-C-E-R-A-S-A-N-I. And then I also have a TikTok, same name. And then um, my YouTube is 2000% um, raised by John Sarasani. You could look up just John Sarasani if you want, but you're going to see like pictures of like my son as the ring bearer when he was three, if you go to that one. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. Cool. <laughs> awesome. And Mahela, I've loved our chat today. I love what you're doing. I think it's so cool how in in a unique way, but you're helping so many people make that transition, get out of the job that so many are thinking they'd love to work for themselves. Maybe they're scared to, maybe they're afraid to make the jump. Yep. And uh, I really enjoyed our time together. So thanks for being here today. Hey, man. Thanks, brother. This is awesome. Yeah. Hey, everybody, make sure to share the episode. Tag John, tag myself. And it's great having you here today. We'll see you soon. Thank you.